I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast, Week 8 Recap Edition, and also the All-Canadian Edition. So unfortunately, Dr. Dynasty John Chansey is experiencing some connectivity issues, not so boomer sumer weather down there. So we wish him well. We'll be thinking about all those impacted by the storm. Be sure to follow Dr. Chansey at Dynasty PhD so you're not missing out a week of information from all the content from that man's beautiful brain. So no John, but of course we are joined by the always wonderful, important nonsense, IDP Dynamo at the real NWB, me, Wallace Bruce. Me, my friend, as the calendar turns to November and the clock turns with daylight savings, how is it going in your world? Thanks, Jack. Well, um, firstly, I just wanted to wish Dr. Dynasty well down in OKC. I hope things uh, get better for him out there. But I must say, I thoroughly enjoyed the extra hour of sleep this morning. It was beautiful. However, we must not sleep on our fantasy teams. Now is not the time. As the bye weeks get tougher each week, teams are dropping their handcuffed running backs and players that are useful for the fantasy stretch run. So when your waivers run, pay attention to who gets dropped as much as who gets picked up. Wise advice from Nee, as always, and it is a pleasure to have you back. Be sure to follow Nee on Instagram at the Real NWB for all of the fire content that he puts out. You will be much smarter for it. So, as much as it sucks not having John around, we still get a, the wonderful wisdom of Nee Walls Bruce, and we get to make this a triple Canadian weekend as we are joined by the one and only at Donald McJordan. It's Jordan McDonald. And so, some of you may know Jordan from the Friday show. But for those of you who don't, how about you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do over on importantnonsense.com. Yeah, thanks, Jack. And thanks, Nee, for having me on the recap show. I've got big shoes to fill. And unfortunately, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on television. As for my work for Important Nonsense, I have a weekly redraft article that is uploaded every Tuesday. And I am also part of the rankings team. And like Jack said, you can occasionally find me on the Friday show as a mediator between him and Jason. Once again, be sure to follow Jordan at Donald McJordan because you will see by the end of the show that he is a very, very smart man. There's just so many intelligent people producing content over at importantnonsense.com. So be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NonsenseFF. And with that, we get to the show. So as anyone who's listened to the show in the past knows, my contract states that I am the boss, I am in charge, and I get to pick the first game and structure the show sheet. So, of course, we are going to rip the Band-Aid off early, get this over with. Classic slugfest between the Ravens and Steelers. Pittsburgh improves to 7-0 on the season with the 28-24 victory. Lamar starts the day with a pick six, first of his career, and the turnovers just don't stop there. Two interceptions, two fumbles lost, another fumble that the Ravens did recover. Finished the day just 46.4% completion of his 28 attempts, 208 yards passing, 65 yards on the ground. It's just ugly, ugly, although he did have touchdown passes to Miles Boykin and Hollywood. But speaking of Hollywood, he was targeted just twice and ended up with one reception for the three-yard touchdown. Like, how does that happen? How do you only get your best receiver the ball once? Mark Andrews, hardly better either, caught three balls for 32 on six targets, ended up being Willie Sneed, of all people, who led the receivers 
105 for 106, which helps everyone in the Sneed family who played him in fantasy and literally no one else. I am a very upset Ravens fan right now. And the news keeps getting worse too. After inking a massive extension just days ago, Ronnie Stanley's family suffered what John Harbaugh called a major ankle injury. And he's going to miss the rest of the season starting right guard time. Also left the game with an ankle injury and did not return. Yeah, this is such an unfortunate situation for Ravens fans. Anyone that has Lamar in fantasy, him, the offense, were already somewhat struggling without Marshall Yonda and now losing Stanley for the year and Phillips for an unknown period of time is not ideal for this team who loves to run the ball. And now they find themselves two games back for the lead uh, in the NFC, sorry, AFC North. And they currently have given up the tiebreaker to the Steelers. So very unfortunate for them. And we do see the lone bright spot for the Ravens in J.K. Dobbins. He's arrived with the first 100-yard game of his career, 15 carries, 113 yards, 7.5 a pop, and an 8-yard reception, reception to boot. Gus Edwards also 87 yards and a score on 16 carries. So hopefully we're just done with Mark Ingram after he returns from injury and we don't have to see him anymore. As I said, though, slugfest, and the Steelers really were not a big source of fantasy production either. Big Ben completed 65.6% of his passes, Two touchdowns, but just 182 yards on the day. Two touchdowns, or one of the touchdowns went to Chase Claypool. He was fine. Five receptions, 42 and a score. Gives you double digits. And Eric Ebron, four for 48 and a score, which is probably a top 10 day for a tight end. But you know, I hope you didn't play Eric Ebron because it stinks. Other than that, though, Deontay Johnson caught one of three targets for six yards. Juju, 67 scoreless yards on seven grabs. And James Conner, once again, bailed out by a touchdown. 47 yards on 15 carries, just 3.1 a pop, three receptions for 13 yards, barely over four a pop, so just 60 total yards. Touchdown saves his day, but James Conner is not good. So, uh, there was one shining light on the defensive side for the Steelers. The IDP MVP for today's game was linebacker Robert Spillane. He's filling in for Devin Bush, who's up for his year, and Spillane had 11 total tackles, one tackle for loss, one forced fumble, one interception, which he returned for a touchdown, and two pass defended. That was a very productive day for Mrs. Spillane, and he is someone you should definitely watch out for on your way if you need linebacker help in IDP this week. I'm so frustrated that you had to remind me about the pick six. I thought we were past that, but whatever. Anyways, we're going to keep it in the AFC North, where we were back to bad Baker as the Browns fell 16-6 to against the Raiders. Weather definitely didn't help. Wind was awful. But so was Baker Mayfield. Absolutely terrible. Completed just 48% of his 25 attempts. Only 122 yards. No scores. Added 29 yards rushing, which we don't really see. But thanks to Baker's poor performance, 4 for 52 from Landry, 3 for 25 from Harrison Bryant. Also had a fumble to take away 20 of those yards from you in terms of points. And Kareem Hunt never got going either. Just 66 yards on 14 carries. Two receptions for 7 yards. If you've listened to anything that I've said this year, I have been fading Baker for almost the entire year. The seller game last week against the Bengals and plus the easy matchup on paper with the Raiders was definitely enticing. So I can't really blame somebody if they wanted to play Baker this week, but obviously you were disappointed by the outcome. And it seems like Baker has reverted back to his normal self. So it's really hard to trust him for the rest of the season. I know he wasn't doing much with OBJ anyways, but that just makes it even more harder. And for the Raiders, though, we were welcomed back to the Josh Jacobs show. The man toted the rock 31 times, gaining 128 yards, although he unfortunately could not find the end zone. Between the weather, the Browns' inability to move the ball, and just feeding double J Josh Jacobs, it was the most classic of Derek Carr games. Completed 62.5% of his attempts, solid, 
but just 112 yards. That's 4.6 per attempt, which is less than he averaged as a runner. Actually had 41 yards on six carries, 6.8 per attempt. So that's not bad, but just the dink and dung king. Did have a touchdown pass to Hunter Renfro, but it's just so infuriating to watch. Carr is just going to choose to cruise at 40 kilometers an hour every chance he gets. That's 25 miles per hour for those non-metric people in the audience. And because he was just on cruise control, Darren Waller led the team with five grabs, 28 yards. Hunter Renfro second in both with four for 26 and the aforementioned score. And then Jason Witten third with two for 21. Nelson Aguilar, the guy we were kind of hyping this week, is 0 for 2. Henry Ruggs, the guy the Raiders took the first pick of the draft, focal point of their offense, Two receptions for eight yards. This is just ugly football. Yes, indeed, Jack. It was a very ugly and wet day out there. But there was a shining light for the Browns, despite their result. And it was the defensive end, not Miles Garrett. In fact, it was Olivier Vernon. Today, Vernon had four total tackles, including two tackles for loss, two sacks, and two quarterback hits. And our final game of the AFC North on the day, Joe Burrow gets the second win of his career while the Titans suffer their second loss in a row. So keep in mind, Burrow was missing both of his tackles and his center. Didn't matter. The swagger of Joe Burrow was enough to get it done. Regardless, completed 70.3% of his 37 attempts, 249 yards, and two touchdown passes. The kid is a stud, as is T. Higgins. So he led the team with nine targets, led the team in yards with 78, also had six grabs. Tyler Boyd, solid day as well. Caught six of seven for 67 yards and a touchdown grab. So whatever, great job, Tyler Boyd. Surprise of the day, though, Auden Tate led the team with seven receptions, caught 100% of his targets for 65 yards. And it's a good thing, too, because A.J. Green stunk. Once again, he was terrible. Caught just two of his five targets, 19 yards. I got a question for both of you guys. Is there any chance that we see A.J. Green or John Ross traded before the uh, the trade deadline? Oh, that's a very good question, Jordan, because – A.J. Green's in the franchise tag, as we know, and the Bengals have already declined Ross's option for next year, his final year option, from his rookie contract. So it would make sense that you would shift them both on because they're effectively both on expiring contracts. You might as well get something back in terms of some value or some draft picks. Definitely Ross, after he had some things to say on Twitter. Probably Green as well, but at least one of the two will certainly be on the move. Giovanni Bernard GMs, though, continue to love their lives. He's been falling out with Joe Mixon's sideline, 78 yards on 18 touches, including three receptions, and scored two touchdowns. So one he caught from Joe Burrow and one he ran it in. Another beautiful mustache ride from Giovanni Bernard. And I'm sure his GMs are probably pretty upset when they look at Samaj Piran, vulture touchdown. Somehow got 10 carries as well. Only 32 yards, though, because Samaj Piran isn't good at football. On the offensive sideline, though, Ryan Tannehill completed 60% of his passes, 233 yards, two touchdowns with a pick, and it all just kind of felt flat. A.J. Brown, super disappointing, four for 24, saved his day with a score, but not fun from this Titans passing offense. So is the production from Corey Davis a reality, or is it just a fantasy? Second game in a row, he has 10 targets and a touchdown. He finished this game with eight catches, 128 yards, and a touchdown. And it's not that bad when you consider that A.J. Brown is still in the lineup. But can this offense sustain more than one fantasy-relevant wide receiver? And also, is it time to worry about Jonu Smith? He only had two catches on two targets for 29 yards. Are we caught in a landslide on escape from reality? But yeah, the tight end position has totally disappeared. Ferks are just two for 36 on three targets. And yeah, Corey Davis, he'll disappear soon enough, though. I don't think this is permanent. But what will not disappear is Derek Henry. 
18 carries, 112 yards, and a touchdown. The man's just a beast. Yes, yes, yes. And when Derrick Henry gets the carries, that means someone has to tackle him. So remember that. As always, I've been saying it the last few weeks, and I'll continue to say it. When Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, to a lesser extent, Zeke Elliott, when they get the ball, and they, they're going to get a lot. We're talking 20 to 25 carries a game. Okay, today was 18, but that's still quite a bit of volume there. That means a lot of volume on the IDP side when it comes to tackle. So today's IDP MVP is safety Jesse Bates from the Bengals. He had 11 total tackles, one interception, and one pass defense. So a good mix of coverage and also run stuff. So we're finally done with that AFC North, and we're going to keep it rolling into the South. As the Titans' AFC South rivals the Indianapolis Colts, galloped all over the Lions, 41-21 victory. Phillip Rivers was dealing, and I couldn't believe it at first. And then I remembered it's Matt Patricia's defense, and yeah, not very good. A very, very nice 69.69% completion rate for Mr. Rivers, though. 33 attempts, 262 yards, three tutters, two of which went to Naeem Hines and one to Jack Doyle. Hines finished with three grabs, 54 yards, and two scores to go with five carries for eight yards. Shockingly enough, though, those receiving stats led the team. Got three for 44 from Pascal, two for 39 from Marcus Johnson, three for 37 from Mo Cox, and two for 18 from Doyle in addition to the score. So you're probably wondering, where was Trey Burton? I played Trey Burton. Only three grabs for nine yards, same yards as T.Y. Hilton, who, remember, is washed. Once again, we saw Burton with a rushing score, so yay. But the worst part, though, 20 carries, 89 yards, and a score from Jordan Wilkins, plus 24-yard reception to finish the day with 113 total. Pardon? Where was Jonathan Taylor? 22 yards, 11 carries, two receptions, nine yards. Nothing about this makes any sense. Yeah, when Marlon Mack went down, we never really expected this to turn to a committee. We thought it was going to be Jonathan Taylor's backfield. He's getting touchdowns vultured from Trey Burton. So should we be worried about Jonathan Taylor? Like I said, it is his job, but the production has been disappointing compared to the hype that that he had heading into the season. Yeah, I mean, it was tailor-made for him. Uh pun intended, but um, it hasn't quite panned out that way. Um, I, yeah, it just seems like an ugly backfield for fantasy right now. It's just upsetting, like plain and simple. It's disappointing. I'm not worried about Taylor. He's a phenomenal talent, but it's, I can't believe it. It's just super weird what's going on. So we're, we'll move on from him, though, because I don't want to get too upset because it's going to make me very sad. Lions scored the opening touchdown for the seventh time this season. And they fell to three and four. Matthew Stafford's GM's pretty happy, though, because Lions struggles led to a three-touchdown, 336-yard day. Did have an interception as well. Unfortunately, though, Kenny Galladay left the game with his being called a hip injury and didn't return. So keep an eye on his status this week. Did lead to the reemergence of Marvin Jones, though. Okay, only three receptions for 39 yards, but two touchdowns. So we have to be happy about that. Still, though, aside from the touchdowns, wasn't even the most effective Marv on the team. Marvin Hall pulled in four receptions, 113 yards. TJ Hawkinson, seven grabs for 65 yards, which is great, although would have been very nice if he found the end zone. And the Lions' backfield just remains infuriating. So granted, as Jordan will tell us, Colts' defense is legit, so I get the struggles. However, Adrian Peterson is still being used way too much. Five carries for seven yards and a five-yard reception. And I know Swift wasn't good either, only one yard on six carries. But the 22 yards on three receptions is exactly why DeAndre Swift needs to be seeing 15-plus touches a game. Just stop it with Adrian Peterson. Yep. <laughs> AP is he's like a good wine. He just seems to get better at wage, maybe. Anyway, um, like you said, Jack, the Colts' defense just 
they just keep rolling. And today's IDP MVP is from the blue, blue and white. It's defensive tackle, Denico Autry. He had two tackles, both of them which were tackles for loss, two sacks, and two quarterback hits. Now, Autry is interesting because he's de- designated as a defensive tackle, but he actually spends most of his time coming off the edge. So it's a bit of a cheat code in IDP, and it's something that you want to take advantage of because defensive tackle is it traditionally a low floor and relatively low ceiling position. So if you can get a guy who can get some big plays, why not? It puts you ahead of the uh, competition each week. Knee is just constantly giving us these little cheat codes. And you know what? I've given Philip Rivers a lot of flack for his arm being shot. And I'm sure my Twitter haters who were all mad when I said Rivers should be sat for Fitzmagic are going to come at me. But with 20 of his attempts going to running backs and tight ends compared to just 13 to his receivers, I haven't changed my mind. And that's going to work against Matt Patricia's defense. Not going to work forever, though. But what will work forever is trusting in our boss at nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham, to steer us in the right direction. And so with that, we'll hear a word from our sponsors. And we are back and we are ready to rock. And apparently so were the Minnesota Vikings. So everyone was ready for the Vikings to tank the season, go for Trevor Lawrence. But Dalvin Cook put the team on his back and said, not on my watch. Vikings upset the rivals 28 to 22 as the Green Bay Packers suffer their second loss of the year. Seems that American Thanksgiving came earlier this year. We had two turkeys in this game. Devontae Adams and Dalvin Cook both found the end zone three times. And Cook actually had a fourth for good measure. And it was all about Dalvin Cook. Ran the ball 30 times, 163 yards, and scored three times there. Kirk Cousins threw the ball just 14 times, completed 11 for 160 in a score, which, of course, went to Dalvin Cook, as did 63 of those yards. So just 97 passing yards to non-Dalvin Cook players. In my FanDuel article this week, I talked up Justin Jefferson because I thought Thielen was going to be blanketed by Jair Alexander. I was wrong, though. Alexander shadowed double GA Justin Jefferson, and he finished with three grass for 26, which was pretty much right in line with Thielen, three for 27. The Aaron Rodgers revenge tour hits its second thump of the season, finished with 291 yards and three tutters, each of which, of course, went to Devontae Adams, finished with seven for 53, while Big Bobby Tanya led the day with 79 and five grabs but really just not what you want to see out of Aaron Rodgers. And Jamal Williams was fine, finished with 102 yards total, six receptions, and Aaron Jones is probably going to come back soon from the calf injury, so we can't drop Williams yet. If he misses, he is a bell cow, but it's, it's just not what you wanted to see out of this Packers offense unless you played Devontae Adams. Also, I know the Packers have lost two of the last three. This, this loss wasn't as bad as the Buccaneers one, but I don't think we should worry about the, uh, the Packers just yet. The Vikings were coming off their bye week, anticipating this matchup. Trading away in Gawkway tells me that they've given up on their season, and this game against the Packers was essentially the Vikings Super Bowl. Speaking of Super Bowls, we have an MVP from this game. And the IDP MVP for the game is linebacker from the Vikings, Eric Hendricks. He had a very uh, workmanlike, I guess, a lunch pail effort here with 12 tackles. It might seem a bit boring in the box score, but in IDP, that's gold. Double-digit tackles, you'll love it. The Miami Dolphins shocked the world and swam right past the LA Rams in the first start of Tua Tagovailoa's career. Started very ugly, first dropback of young Tua's career, strip sack. His defense, though, said, it's okay, boss, we got you. Andrew Van Ginkle returned to fumble 78 yards for his score. Then special team said, don't worry, boss, we got you. Jakeem Grant returned upon 88 yards for a touchdown. Dolphins get the 28-17 victory. And what a beautiful start to the Tua Tagovailoa era in Miami. 
you know what? Dolphins could be a sneaky playoff team this year, especially with the, ex- the expanded playoff format. Tua didn't really have to do this much this game. He only went 12 for 22, had 93 passing yards and a touchdown, and the Dolphins still won convincingly. You know what? If you started Tua, it wasn't really the best outcome. I mean, I don't know why you would have anyways, but Dolphins fans and people who have Tua in Dynasty must be really excited. And so Tua's touchdown was a three-yarder to Devontae Parker, his lone grab of the game, and no one finished with over 16 yards receiving, which is shocking. Preston Williams, two for 15. Mike Gusecki, one for eight. Isaiah Ford, Malcolm Perry, both one for 10. Shaquem Grant, one for 15. And Durham Smythe led the team, two for 16. Sorry, led the team outside of the running backs because Miles Gaskin is a bell cow in the truest sense of the word. Led the team with three grabs, 16 yards. 47 yards rushing on 18 carries, 63 total yards, and a rushing score. So you have to love that from Gaskin. And you cannot love what you saw out of Jared Goff. Lost two fumbles, tossed two interceptions, one passing score, 355 yards on 61 attempts. Most impossible. Because Goff threw it so much, though, we did get to see Cooper Cup ball out, 11 receptions, 110 yards, and on 21 targets? Like, I... I couldn't believe it when I read that, but wild. Robert Woods, on the other hand, seven receptions, 85 yards, and a score. Added nine yards and a rushing score as well. And then Nee's favorite player, Josh Reynolds, four for 44. So the receivers benefited from this mega attempt game, but it was just ugly in general. And the Rams' backfield is ugly as well. Just a complete head-scratcher, and it's infuriating. Darrell Henderson, eight carries, 47 yards, 11-yard catch. Malcolm Brown, 10 carries, 40 yards, two catches, 17 yards. Cam Akers, I guess he's alive too. Nine carries, 35 yards, and a 19-yard catch. So this is just so gross. Can we not just give one of these guys the full load? That would be nice in an ideal world, but um, doesn't seem like that's going to be the case, Jack. Seems like it's going to be a three-headed monster for the rest of the way. Appreciate the shout-out on Josh Reynolds. I called him out last episode before Monday Night Football, and he had a nice game. And if you keep listening, I'll have a, another player for you from the Monday Night Football. Anyway, um, Tua Tagovailoa, he had a good debut, got the win, but Aaron Donald got to him on the first series. So what that tells me is that we want to look out for him and Joe Burrow still when it comes to our defensive lineman in IDP. Start your defensive lineman up against Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa going forward. In terms of the IDP MVP for this game, I liked safety Eric Rowe from Miami. As Jack said, the Miami defense stepped up and they said, I got you, Tua, and they got him over the line with the win. Rowe had seven tackles in total and one interception and five pass defended. Let me repeat that again. Five passes defended. That is, that guy was involved. That, that, that is ridiculous. And what else is ridiculous too? The Dolphins are legit contenders in the AFC East, especially because it was ugly weather and ugly play in Buffalo. The Bills get the 24-21 victory over the New England Patriots, but this was just not pretty at all. Especially from Josh Allen, he continues to struggle after his red-hot start to the season. He ended this game with 154 yards passing, one pick. He did have a rushing touchdown, which sort of salvaged his day and to go along with 23 rushing yards. And so Allen struggled, but thankfully Stephon Diggs did not. Finished the day with 60% of the team's receiving yards, 92 yards on six grabs. Cole Beasley was the only other player with multiple, multiple grabs, and that's only because two is multiple. Two grabs, 24 yards from him, one for 21 from John Brown, and one for 11 from Tyler Croft, and one from Singletary as well, and that's literally it. No one else caught the ball. Only digs matters. Let's go to the ground now, though, but did we see a Zach Moss breakout game? He had two touchdowns to go along with 81 yards rushing. 
it was like a breakout in terms of fantasy and definitely like a DFS win. But in terms of usage, no, because it's still 50-50 timeshare. 14 carries for Moss, 14 carries for Singletary, who actually finished five marks rusher and had the reception as well, 92 total. So they'll split the backfield, both performed, and they got the win. So I don't see them changing that backfield rotation anytime soon. And it was an ugly day from Josh Allen and pretty much the Spider-Man meme with Cam Newton. Although Newton did produce marginally better, completed 60% of his passes, just 174 yards, still 20 yards more than Allen, ended up with a rushing score just like Allen, finished the day with 54 rushing yards compared to Allen's 23. And instead of an interception, it was a fumble by Newton, a fumble to lose the game when the Patriots were in field goal range and would have at least sent it to overtime if not gotten the win in regulation. Now we... We just talked about how the Dolphins are a legitimate contender in the AFC East, but it seems like the Pats are, are going backwards. Should they be tanking? Two and five is a tough mountain to climb to make the playoffs, especially in the AFC. The team doesn't look very good, and they're not good at real football, nor are they good in fantasy. They still need to play the Jets twice, so they could, they could tank and hopefully maybe give a win or two to the Jets, and they could still end up with a top five pick with uh, one of those, uh, those top quarterbacks that we – we keep hearing about yeah it's um interesting times up in new england they've been on top of the tree for so long and now they're in the unfamiliar territory being in the second or third in the division and wondering if they're actually going to make the playoffs this year i would i really think they're going to be active before the trade deadline i feel like can newton need someone that he can throw downfield to whether that be someone like john ross is someone that can give him a big play i mean julian edelman's now on ir with an injury, so we won't see him for at least three weeks. So the, the Patriots should really have a good goal at this because they may not have Cam next year. They might be moving on from the quarterback. So why not finish the season and put in some effort and have a goal at the playoffs? Well, and the good news is they play the Jets next week. So if they lose, they're in a really good position in terms of the tank. But we'll see after that. I'm sure they can pick up a win against the Jets. There are two pieces of positive news, though, from New England, the first of which, Damian Harris, is what they wanted Sony Michelle to be. 16 carries, 102 yards, and a score, and zero targets, because, of course, it's Sony Michelle's role. James White continues to fade into irrelevance, though. Zero yards on two carries, just 35 yards on two receptions, and continues to be outtouched by Rex Burkhead, who had seven touches, 31 yards. Other piece of good news we got, though, Pats finally have a wide receiver one. Jacoby Myers got six of 10, or caught six of 10 targets, 58 yards, and had a two-point conversion on the Harris rushing score. So Myers is the guy now. Meanwhile, wide receiver two, Demir Bird, three for 39. Yeah, it was that ugly of a game on offense. Is there at least, like, something we can point to on the defense to be happy about, Nee? Yes, Jack, I think so. I think the bad weather did help to create some uh, additional tackles on the defensive side of the balls, and and. The IDP MVP for this game is actually from Buffalo. It's safety Jordan Poyer. So Jordan had 11 total tackles and one quarterback hit. And I think this is a trend to look out for this month and going into the fancy playoffs is for IDP, we want our guys who can tackle when the weather gets bad. Um, yeah, preference to your heavy tacklers when you see the bad weather forecasts in IDP. And we'll finish out the AFC East with the New York Jets, who continue their tank for Trevor campaign. And although New England may have something to say about it next week, the Jets still fell 35-9 to to the reigning, defending, undisputed champions of the world in the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Yeah, and all of the Chiefs pass catchers feast in this one. And that had to do with Mahomes having the first Mahomes game of the season, 416 yards passing and five touchdowns. It's just like the Oprah Winfrey meme. He's out here slinging the rock. Kelsey got a touchdown. Hill got two touchdowns. Hardman finally came out of witness protection. He got a touchdown. Demarcus Robinson got a touchdown. But as for the Chiefs' run game, only 50 total yards rushing on 20 carries. So much for that revenge game for Le'Veon Bell. He only had seven yards on six carries. Edward Zelaire had 21 yards on six carries, and good old Daryl Williams had three carries for 19 yards. Are we starting to fade this run game? It's tough to have a big run when your QB is putting up 416 yards and five totters through the air. So keep that in mind. But at the same time, you'd think with the air show that Mahomes was putting up, there would be more holes. And really, the only thing that makes sense here is the Jets wanted to sell out and stop the run, make sure Bell didn't beat them because they're that petty. We'll see going forward, but complete ugliness there. I'm going to run through the Jets real quick, though, because it was barely an offense that we saw from them. Sam Darnold, 60% completion, 133 yards. No scores, but no turnovers as well. So improvement, I guess. Also no weapons, though. Braxton Berrios, great for PPR. Eight receptions on 11 targets, 34 yards. 4.25 yards a carry. Uh, sorry, I mean catch. Basically rushing numbers. That was awful. Denzel Mims, he does need the ball more. Caught two of three targets for team leading 42 yards. And Smith, the wide receiver, 329 yards. Ugliness there, ugliness in the backfield. For some reason, Frank Gore still led the team with 10 carries. Michael Pirine, 33 yards on 10 touches, two receptions. And you'll look at the box score. Maybe you'll see Ty Johnson had three carries. Maybe you'll be intrigued by that. No, they all came on the last three play of the games, and this was basically reverse victory formation. And we're done with the Jets, thankfully. Not quite, Jack. Uh, one last thing is the IDP MVP for this game is Jets cornerback Pierre Desir. The former Indianapolis Colt had seven total tackles today, including one tackle for loss, one forced fumble, and one pass defense. So when Pat Mahomes goes off and explodes and throws touchdowns everywhere, that means people have to tackle on the other side. So cornerbacks do benefit when they face Kansas City. So another thing to keep in mind when you're making your cornerback decisions in IDP. Okay, and now we're done with the Jets. And unfortunately, the positivity that Mr. Newell's Bruce brings to the team still isn't enough to wash the awful taste of Adam Gase and the New York Jets out of my mouth. And you know, like, you know when something smells so bad you can taste it? Well, I can taste it. And it tastes like ketchup. Ketchup and onions. So I'm going to go brush my teeth, get this bad taste out of my mouth, and we'll hear a word from our sponsors. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup. 
I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then when I go all in and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. We are back, and this brings us to the evening slate where we have some mixed reviews, honestly, and we'll start things off with something fun, though. Justin Herbert, he's fun. Although you would think with the new QB and a new city and a new stadium, you would usher in a new era of Chargers football, but I am afraid not. This is the same old Chargers. Lost 31-30 to on the last play of the game. Drew Locke hit KJ Hamler for the game-tying touchdown. Brandon McManus kicks the game-winning extra point. And Locke finished the day with 248 yards. 63.4% completion rate and three touchdowns without his wide receiver one, Tim Patrick, who was out with his hamstring. So is there still hope for Drew Locke, or was this just a sense of the Chargers being the Chargers? You know, up until the third quarter, I probably would have told you to give give up hope on Locke, but the comeback kind of has me thinking otherwise. You know, somebody who played the Chargers defensive special teams in multiple leagues, I have to give respects to Mr. Locke. But I need to see some more to consider this sustainable. I really do. I, it could also be that the Chargers were just the Chargers. Deshaun Hamilton shockingly led the team in fantasy points with four receptions, 82 yards, and a score on five targets. KJ Hamler caught all three of his targets for 13 yards and found the end zone. And Albert Akui Boonham caught his lone target for nine yards. But really, it was Jerry Judy and Noah constantly. Ten targets for Judy, just four receptions, which was disappointing, but 73 yards. Nine targets for Fant, seven receptions, 47 yards. And it sucks that they didn't find the end zone, but what can you do? Sometimes that just happens. And just like the revenge game of Le'Veon Bell, Melvin Gordon was a complete dud as well. Eight carries, 26 yards, six receptions, 21 yards, 47 total, which is just ugly. Meanwhile, Philip Lindsay, six carries for 83 yards in the score, thanks to a long touchdown run. And as I said earlier, Justin Herbert, real fun, 67.4% completion rate, set 270 yards and three tugs, but also had two interceptions that let the Broncos come back into the game and ultimately win. Still makes the offense a lot of fun. Keenan Allen, nine receptions, 67 yards in the score. Mike Williams, 99 yards in the score. Justin Jackson stomped out Joshua Kelly, compiled 142 yards on 20 touches, including three receptions. Kelly, on the other hand, just seven carries, 32 yards, and a negative seven-yard catch while being lapped by Troy Main Pope, who had 95 yards on 20 touches. I don't backfield. It's infuriating. It doesn't make any sense. Can we please just get Eckler back? Yes. Jack, Chargers fans will be hoping for Austin Eckler to come back and for um, Derwin James to come back. The safety ha- was out, has been out for the year, but in his place, the IDP MVP for this game 
is Rayshon Jenkins. The Chargers safety had seven total tackles, one interception, and two passes defended. If you need safety help in your leagues, Jenkins is a name you could look at this week on waivers. We'll move over to the NFC side of things. And the Bears suffered their third loss of the season, still worse in the record at 5-3, and three, but they managed to take the Saints deep into overtime in what would be a 26-23 loss. Saints were hurting on offense. Michael Thomas, out. Manuel Sanders, out. Breakout rookie and the next Mar- Michael Thomas slash Marquez- Marcus Colston, a.k.a. Marquez Callaway, out as well. Alvin Kamara, elite. 163 yards on 21 touches, although he didn't find the end zone. But come on. Like, when there's no one else to worry about on this offense, he's the only focal point. He's still balling out so hard. Now, I know that Russell Wilson – the MVP is Russell Wilson's to lose at this point. But can we start considering Elvin Kamara as a potential candidate? This offense would be completely rudderless without him. And I know Michael Thomas has been out for most of the year, but my point still stands. Yeah, I mean, it's – I can't remember the last time the MVP was given to a non-quarterback, but he has to be in the conversation this time around, Mr. AK. It'll never happen. It's going to go to a quarterback. But it, it, it's fun to talk about. If Christian McCaffrey, though, couldn't get it last year, there's absolutely no chance. So Drew Brees takes the Bears to check down City, where the grass is green, and Taysom Hill is Hill catches first receiving TD of the season. Also added 35 yards on five carries. Jared Cook chips in for 51 yards and a score on five grabs. Traquan Smith, also five for 43, clearly just a complimentary player on this offense. He's not a wide receiver one. And Deontay Harris, about team proving he's only a special teamer at this point. Hey, just don't tell that to Jason. I will tell it to Jason because Jason was very wrong on it. I don't know. He saw like three punt returns and thought this guy was amazing. And it's just Jason being Jason, whatever. Not pretty. And it's never pretty, but Chicago remains competitive every week. Next stretch, though, tight at Titans, followed by three divisional games versus Vikings at Packers and versus the Lions. So we'll see what they're really made of. But for now, Big Richard Nick Foles, pretty solid. 68.3% completion rate, 272 yards and two scores. And, of course, chipped in for an interception as well because that's just who he is. Still solid, though. And solid led to 87 yards in a score from Allen Robinson on six grabs. Always happy to see that. We're, all we care about is Allen Robinson on this offense. Dar Mooney, Darnell Mooney, though, finally happened as well. A very nice 69 yards and a score on five grabs. And even Anthony Miller showed that he's still alive. Secured eight grabs, 73 yards, and a team leading 11 targets. And David Montgomery as well, 105 yards from scrimmage. 89 yards rushing, two grabs for 16 yards. Great day all around from this offense, and I think it's the first time we've actually seen like positive yards from all these guys. Yeah, and Foles did his absolute best to try and earn the comeback win. I was shocked that people were calling for Mitch Trubisky to come in. like He was going to turn the momentum. I think Foles did a, a fine job himself. Let's just stop with the Trubisky nonsense, please. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Foles. I like seeing him sling the rock around, and one of the reasons is for IDP purposes, because there's just the beauty of when Foles just chucks it up in the air. He's either going to hit his guy like Mooney or it's going to be a big play on the other side of the ball. And one of the beneficiaries today was cornerback from the Saints, Marshawn Lattimore. He had eight total tackles, including one tackle for loss, one pass defended, and one pick. So uh, in the same vein that we start our defensive backs against Kansas City because they're a good um, high-up-thing passing offense, we want to start our defensive backs against Nick Foles as well because, as we've seen, he doesn't mind just chucking it up um, when his team's in hurry-up comeback mode. And we will round out our Sunday recap with what many thought could be the game of the week in an NFC West shootout, but ultimately calling this game is a bit of an exaggeration. 
it was terrible. Final score, 37-27, to 27, never that close. 13-7 to 7 at half, 27-7 to 7 at the end of the third. They lost George Kittle, leaves with an ankle injury, x-rays come, came back negative, so hopefully he's okay. Ends the day with just two for 39. And then Jimmy Garoppolo limps off the field, replaced by big Richard Nick Mullins. And Mullins did his best, actually looked pretty good. Completed 72% of his 25 attempts, 238 yards and two scores, which was what we really needed, because Jimmy Gorgeous, 84 yards and a pick ugly from him Mullins ultimately saves the day for Brandon Ayuk as well finishes with eight receptions 91 yards in the score as he continues to establish himself as the alpha for the 49ers yeah like you said the injuries just continue to mount they the Jimmy G injury and Kittle and maybe and plus Fred Warner left the game for bed he came back so that's good so it may be tough for them to recover in time especially now that they play Thursday night football against the Packers yeah and I'm pretty sure Tevin Coleman also went out with an injury as well uh, after his three carries for the day. Anyway, I think this is a perfect opportunity to look at Ross Dwelly for a, as a tight end in this Thursday night matchup. What do you guys think? Yeah, he's a pretty intriguing play for sure, especially because uh, Jordan Reed has been activated, but with the Thursday game, I don't know if he's going to play. You confident in starting him this week, Jordan? I mean, the tight end position is so, you know, so it, it you, you just want anybody with the pulse. I always say that. So, you know, if Kittle doesn't play, he could be a good flyer. But you don't want to crash and burn and just burn your tight end spot for the start of the, the week if he doesn't really do much. But I would give it consideration for sure. Yeah, it just sucks because that's like a really negative way to start the week if you get a 1.2 from your tight end. Anyways, though, Kendrick Bourne stepped up pretty well with Debo and Kittle out. Ends up with eight balls, 81 yards. The backfield remains a mess. Jamichael Hasty leads the way with 12 carries and a score. Only 29 yards, though. Jerick McKinnon, even worse, because he has one, or negative one yard, sorry, not even one yard, rushes on three carries, also has a score, though, four grabs for 40 yards, and then Tevin Coleman had 20 yards on three carries before going out as well. Who knows what this backfield's going to be on a weekly basis every time Raheem Mostert is out. It's the definition of the word hodgepodge. It really is. And on the opposite side of the line, of course, Seattle continues to dominate, and they continue to let Russ cook. Completed 73% of his 37 attempts, 261 yards, and four scores, two of which went to DK Metcalf. Finished the day with 161 yards and those two touchdowns, 12 grabs, and continues to just dominate in his second year in the league. Absolute alpha, which of course meant Tyler Lockett had a really quiet day. 33 yards with four grabs. I was really disappointed to see. And we're kind of jumping back and forth between those two. David Moore chips in for three for 18 and a score as well. And the final touchdown pass goes to DJ Dallas, also added a rushing score with the team, team's top three backs out, but only 58 yards on 23 touches, which isn't good. You're going to take that two-touchdown performance every day of the week. Yes, indeed, Jack. And a great day for the Seahawks. A bad day for my 49ers. They got bashed up on the field. They got banged up um, in terms of injuries. And we got a hodgepodge, as you described it, with the backfield for fantasy purposes. I've actually got a term for that. I'm going to call it, Shanahanigans because Kyle just does whatever he wants with them. I don't know what Jarrett McKinnon did. Maybe he parked in Kyle's spot um, at the facility, but whatever. Each week it's a new new person put in the rock, and that's what you sign up for when you get the 49ers uh, running backs in your fantasy team. So buyer beware, I guess. Moving along to the defensive side of the ball, the IDP MVP was linebacker Bobby Wagner from the Seattle Seahawks. This guy is a don. He is a he is a, the gold standard of linebackers. And today, he had 11 total tackles, including three tackles for loss. 
two sacks and four quarterback hits. He pretty much slammed Jimmy Garoppolo into the, the bench. We're at halftime of Sunday Night Football, and it's an ugly, ugly NFC East matchup. Cowboys are up 9-7 to seven over the Eagles. Ben DiNucci has just 67 yards passing, and Michael Gallup is the only player with more than one reception. That's how ugly it is for the Cowboys. Carson Wentz threw a touchdown to Jalen Rager. That was great. Also fumbled twice and tossed a pick. Hilarious. Like, I, I can't believe how awful the NFC East is. Thankfully, Boston Scott, so saving grace there. But it's an embarrassment that one of these teams is probably going to host a playoff game. Like, screw that. That's unfair. Yeah, just a little bit of uh, notes to pass on. I just got a notification that the Steelers actually have just acquired Avery Williamson from the Jets. So nice little backup depth, depth with Devin Bush out. And I know that, you know, Robert, Robert Spillane filled in pretty nicely. He was uh, knees IDP MVP. So, you know, that Steelers defense is just, uh, they're, they're legit. And they just got even better adding this guy. So watch out. So uh, that is very telling, uh, Jordan. Thank you for that nugget of news. Well, that tells me, um, as the IDP guy for this show, is that Vince Williams for the Steelers is probably having a severe injury, and he won't be back anytime soon. And it also means that the Jets are genuinely tanking. They're done. Because Avery Williamson was their top linebacker um, this year in, in inside. And the guy that will be left to pick up the vacated tackles will be, one, Neville Hewitt in redraft. And in Dynasty, I want you guys to look out for Blake Cashman. Now, he's, he's had a couple of injuries this year, but he's in his second year. And with Greg Williams running the defense that he does, there's room for two inside linebackers in New York, the green side of New York. I absolutely love Blake Cashman. Super athletic, but he's just got those little T-Rex arms. But I'm glad we can end with the with Randy. I don't have to suffer, but thank you for that, Jordan. And thank you for that knee. My heart is broken. That's going to finish up all of our Sunday football action. Truly another fantabulous week in the world of NFL outside of the Ravens. Tomorrow though, we get to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visit the New York giants for Monday night football in what is sure to be a slog. I really hope our listeners out there are not banking on any big performances on offense. Expect a big performance from the defense, but between the weather, Giants O-line missing practice because of COVID, they're missing their starting left guard. I'm not shocked when the Buccaneers have like 12 sacks, five forced fumbles, and two interceptions. Performance, which I'm sure Nee would be absolutely thrilled about. So with that, Nee, do you have any parting words for all of your admirers listening out there? And do you have any bold predictions ahead of Monday Night Football? But of course, Jack, I mean, I made the promise of four, so I have to deliver on that. And last week, if you were listening, I did mention Josh Reynolds before the relevant Monday night game in week seven, and Mr. Reynolds delivered for the Rams. He had a touchdown and a, a few catches on the night, and he came through for us. So this week, I want everyone to pay attention to Tyler Johnson from the Buccaneers for Monday night football. While Tom, Tom Brady has all these shiny new free agent weapons like Gronk and A.B., all these guys used to throw the ball with in the Patriots. When you look at next year, 2021, only Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, and Tyler Johnson are contracted among the wide receiver core. So keep that in mind for Dynasty. But for tomorrow's game, with the injuries that they have and with A.B. still getting used to the offense, I'm not even sure if he, he will play because of the, the COVID um, testing timeline. I expect Tyler Johnson to be involved and to, to, to make noise in this matchup, the primetime matchup. So keep that in mind. 
Also, if you need a Hail Mary in your IDP matchups, I want you to go and get linebacker David Mayo from the Giants and also get cornerback Cotton Davis if you need a defensive back from the Buccaneers. He's going to be ball hawking tomorrow night or Monday night, depending on when you listen to this. And also, don't forget to vote if you're in the States. I'm NWB, and I approve this message. And thank you for joining me. You are a fountain of knowledge, a pillar of wisdom, and a joy to talk to. It's been a pleasure to have you back, and it's been a pleasure to get Jordan on to the Sunday Night Recap. Jordan, you were fantastic. Do you have any bold predictions for Monday night or any parting words for all the fans? You have no doubt one I tend not to make poll predictions because they usually turn into cold predictions, but I am interested to see how the Bucks' backfield looks and if Leonard Fournette can finally have consecutive games with a productive outing this year. And I know I'm doing Dr. D- Dynasty a disservice by talking down Ronald Jones, but it appears the tide might have finally turned on the Mercurial Rojo. But yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jack. And thanks, Nee, for having me on. Make sure to stay safe. And again, don't forget to vote if you're in the States on Tuesday. I tried my best to fill the shoes of the doctor, but one passing note that the doctor wants to let you guys know, make sure to take the Bucks at minus 12 on the road over the Giants. And be sure to follow Jordan at Donald McJordan as he continues to educate us each and every time he's on the show. Be sure to check out all the hard work that Jordan, me, myself, and the rest of the Important Nonsensers pump out every day of the week over at importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at NonsenseFX. That's going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. As always, it's been a delight to recap the Sunday slate for you. And if it's been as much fun for you as it has been for me, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review. Make sure you tell a friend as well. And if you haven't had fun, I really apologize from the bottom of my heart. Please send all your complaints to at that FF nerd, Jason Draven, and make sure you check out his waiver wire show over on YouTube and tune in later this week to the big boss show as at nonsense underscore Steve and at nonsense underscore Neil. Take a trip in the hot take time machine guided by yours truly. And, and I've been here at Javanaugh 87, Jack Cavanaugh. Thanks for tuning in. Stay safe, wear a mask, get out and vote. And most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!